but she was so satisfied with my depiction of her that she came back later when I was in the middle of drawing someone else and licked my... I'm Adam Walson, and for the past 25 years, I've branded and marketed world-renowned athletes, personalities, and brands. Here, we'll share lessons learned and tell stories earned. This is the Double Down Podcast. And welcome back to the Double Down Podcast. So excited for my next guest, artist, entrepreneur, father, friend, colleague, partner, Nolan Harris. So excited to have you today. I've been looking forward to this uh, conversation uh, for, for quite a while since we got it uh, set up. You and I, we talk every day and, and I always look forward to that as well, but uh, this is a little special. Um, we have so much to talk about. Thank you so much for joining us on the Double Down podcast today. Thank you for having me. I know we've been trying to work it out for a while now. I'm glad we could finally make it happen. Absolutely, brother. Absolutely. Well, here we are. We made it. We made it happen. Yeah. <laughs> so, you, I, go ahead. Go ahead. What were you going to say? I'm, I'm so used to our conversations being limited to like, you know, a quick text here, a quick text there, quick little blurb on the phone in traffic. Yeah. It's nice. It's nice to have some <laughs> solid time with you. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and it's so funny you should say that because when I started doing the podcast, um, I even like I was on the phone with one of my good buddies yesterday and I said, Hey, this is, this is an excuse just to like hang out with my friends for an hour or two and just catch up with them. Because look, the reality is our lives are so busy these days, especially Q4 for most of us, mm -hmm. right? You know, things are crazy. You know, it's, you know, we, we're, we're, we're happy. We have to get Christmas gifts for our friends and family. We have to take care of our, you know, our career stuff, obviously. And in Q4, you know, people are wrapping things up and no pun intended, but you know, quite literally, it's just, it's just absolutely crazy. So this is awesome. It gives me pause to like hang out with good friends and, and, you know, honestly learn more about them. Uh, right. I'm sure I'm going to learn uh, so much about you today and everybody else that's listening is going to learn just, you know, awesome stuff. I'm sure um, you've been doing this stuff for, for quite a while now. So I'm sure you're, you're chock full of nuggets. Uh, I got a few, I got a few nuggets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You might have to pry them away from me, but I got a few for you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, like I said, man, I'm looking forward to this and I, I would just love to, to jump right into it. Um, it seems that, you know, I only had, this is, this is our second go at this. So, you know, you're, this is, uh, you know, we're still learning here, but uh, I think a great place to start uh, would be, I'd love to hear where you grew up, man. Like where, yeah. did, where did you grow up? So uh, this is a, a reminder for me, not mm -hmm. that I would ever forget, but I have a tattoo of the state of Ohio on me. Oh, why, oh, why, oh, why? Did we ever leave Ohio? Do you say that exactly? To uh, I actually never ask myself that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty happy out here in the Pacific Northwest. I uh, I try to get back to Ohio every every once in a while to see my family, my friends, mm -hmm. to take my daughter so she can get a feel for my upbringing and and how I came into this world and how I became so demented in my in my life. Um, but I grew up in Beautiful, Ohio. Beautifully demented, by the way. <laughs> yes, thank you, thank you so much. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, let's see here. So I was born in Ohio near Cincinnati uh, and I had a single mom. So she was in college for uh, most of my youth. And then once she got out of college, she got married when she when I was five years old and uh, things just 
started to springboard in my life from there. They, they always promoted me in my artistic endeavors. That's great. Uh, it was, it was, I'm, I'm so grateful for it. I'm so thankful. And they, and they did make sacrifices in their lives to give me the opportunities to, uh, to gain some traction artistically and to learn some new things. And, uh, you know, I had wonderful grandparents that also helped me along the way. One of which, uh, was a very talented artist himself, my grandfather, oh, wow. And he's uh, the guy that introduced me to comics for the first time. So cool. uh, How old were you? I was five years old. So I, I grew up on the same cartoons as you did. G.I. Joe, He-Man, Transformers, all that fun yep. stuff. But once I saw my first comic book, my grandfather's name was Alan. They called him Big Al. Uh, everywhere he went, people thought he was the general manager. He was a very commanding personality. <laughs> so everywhere he showed up, they would say, oh, uh, hello, Mr. Bannister. Uh, what can we what can we do for you today? Uh, <laughs> but he would drag me along on a lot of his trips, uh, which include the grocery store, the liquor store and the comic book store. And I always not necessarily to the in that order. You know, depending on the day, <laughs> never a weekday, mind you, uh, always, always a Saturday night. But uh, we would go to the comic book store, Parker's Comics and Records, and uh, I, we would peruse the, the trading cards, which I was really big in. And then we'd go over to the comic book section and I saw a DC comic, a Superman comic book that mm. was 1986. And uh, it immediately popped. It was it was Man of Steel number one. And at the time, they're rebooting all of the superheroes uh, for the modern age. So you could literally just dive in from scratch. And there's this entire new mythos connected to your favorite superheroes. For me, it was Superman. Mm -hmm. And the cover had him just just the chest and the hands. And you can see the Superman logo. And that just immediately popped. So I got it. And uh, I was immediately transfixed by the artwork. And after that, I just couldn't stop. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it totally drew you in. No pun intended. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's that. That leads me to my next question. At what age did you realize, you know what? Maybe maybe I have a little artistic talent here. I. How did it, how did how did you start? How did you even start? Did you were you inspired by your grandfather? You know, he he definitely he definitely cultivated it to a certain extent, but he didn't draw very much unless mm-hmm. I like really pestered him. Uh, he worked for IBM at the time, so he was already busy with other things. Mm-hmm. But for me personally, I would just keep drawing these characters like Superman, Batman, Spider-Man, all these guys. But it really kind of dawned on me when I was in second grade mm-hmm. and I found out what the word solicitation meant. Okay. And, <laughs> and I don't think that's a word very many second graders learn. No, it's a, uh, it's a, that's a strange one. Yeah. Well, I was I was offering my talents to fellow students for Got cer- it. certain items in their lunchbox that were a little more appealing than the ones I came with. Like a blow pop or something. Yeah. Blow pops, fruit roll ups, you know, all this, you know, <laughs> Capri Suns, all that fun stuff that my mom and dad wouldn't that give me. That is amazing. You yeah. were you were you were you were literally quite literally an entrepreneur in the second grade. You were trading your talents for treats. I was trading my talents for diabetes. Exactly. <laughs> that was that was exactly what I was doing. But I I was pulled aside very nicely outdoors. I still remember it like it was yesterday. And it was it was my principal. He pulled me aside and he said, Nolan, I I I'm afraid you cannot offer your artwork for for money or for lunch. That's wow. that's called solicitation. You can't do that 
in a school setting. It's not healthy. And, uh, and I, I, it clicked, it made sense, but I got to tell you, man, this is when Spider-Man had the black costume. Yeah. And these kids were just going bonkers over it. And it was so <laughs> easy to draw. So easy to draw. Didn't well, have to do any definition or anything. <laughs> but I'm, I'm like, at what? because obviously it dawned on you and when, when the kids were, you know, willing to give up their fruit roll-ups for, uh, you know, for, for, for just a little piece of, uh, of Nolan. So, but, so at, when you were drawing, was, was there like, uh, an adult that came to you and said, Hey, you're, you're better than an average kid at this particular age. So I got to second grade. What are you, six years old? Yeah, I was six or seven around that point in time. I, I definitely had art teachers that would, I, I don't know if the, and it's, it's not necessarily good as an artist for someone to come up and tell you, Oh, wow, you're amazing. You're, you're, you're way, uh, you're way better than most kids at this age. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they definitely uh, helped cultivate my talent set. They definitely gave me projects that were more catered to me and my skill set versus mm-hmm. what the other kids got. Yeah. And, you know, at that age, every kid's got their thing, right? You know, like some kid might be awesome at kickball. You know, some kid might be really good with music or singing or acting or what have you. Mm-hmm. And I was always that art kid. Yeah. Which, you know, that's that wasn't a self-designated label. That was just what was given to me at the time. But, uh, you know, as we grow older, we try to gain more skills and become more fully formed. But uh, awesome. So awesome that you found your passion so young. And, you know, it's it's funny because, uh, you know, my story is similar in a weird way. Um, when I was, you know, I, I was always into art as well. And I love to draw, uh, and, and oddly enough, as a kid, I figured out if you bought a box of blow pops for 30 bucks <laughs> and, you know, put them in your book bag and sold whatever four for a dollar, uh, you know, uh, five for a dollar or, you know, for, you know, one for a quarter, you could make a lot of money. Yeah, uh, dude. So, so when I was in like the fifth or sixth grade, man, I was, I was slinging blow pops like nobody's business. Um, so <laughs> it's very funny to hear that you had a similar journey in that you were, you know, you kind of tapped into, I don't want to say commerce, uh, but trade, right? Trade right. For, yeah. Trade, yeah. Trade for talent. Yeah. Supply and demand. You know, people, yeah. people wanted a drawing and I was happy to give it to them, but yeah, they had to give something to me as well. That's unbelievable. That is so cool. Uh, that, that the kids, cause I, I would assume it was the kid's idea. You didn't come up with that idea to trade for, uh, you know, the first, or was that your idea? No, the first few, it was the kids. After that, I kind of got the gist of it. And I was yeah. like, this is something I can do here. I can make this happen. Uh, but, you know, I learned my lesson fairly quickly and I just continued to focus on the things that I was passionate about art wise. You know, I, I was really into drawing superheroes. Yeah. Um, getting into third grade is when I got into wrestling, which yeah. I know you and I connected immediately in that respect. Totally. Yeah. Um, I'm even rep- I'm even repping your boy over here. I see him. Ooh, yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah, a little little macho madness. I love it. I love with it. me every day. Which oddly enough, that's that's we we can the the macho man is the man that that binds us. He's the yeah man. He's the glue uh, that brought us together. Quite literally. Uh, uh, I'll I'll I'll, I'll kind of give some color for some people. Um, so uh, I was just perusing uh, the interwebs as we do. I was on uh, Instagram and I've don't follow many hashtags i i want to start following more because uh, i'll be honest following hashtags is 
infinitely more fun than following some some people. Um, I agree <laughs> because it's you get you discover a lot more and you make you make friends. I mean, uh, this is a perfect example. Um, so I, I follow the Macho Man hashtag because of course I do, and uh, somebody else had posted reposted your artwork and it was of it was of Macho Man, and I was uh, I was blown away by it. I reached out to the guy. And I'm like, did you do this? Because <laughs> he had posted a bunch of your pieces. Yeah. And I, and I was like, did you do this? It's like, we need to talk, dude. And he's like, no, no, it, it's this guy. And I was like, oh, man. I was like, great. You know, because typically, uh, you know, if you reach out to somebody that, you know, honestly has the, the level of talent that you have, in my opinion, uh, you typically you reach out to those guys. You might not hear from them. Uh, but then I did reach out to you and mm -hmm. we we had a, we got a great dialogue going uh, we just we bonded on on a lot of different levels. Uh, obviously, the one the one being the golden era of the WWF. Yeah, right? yeah, and, absolutely. And um, you know, with me working at 500 level uh, and or being a partner in, in 500 level, I knew that I wanted to get you involved in a project. And so right away, again, uh, we jumped into. I, I reached out to you, said, "Hey, I'd, I would love to do a Macho Man T-shirt." Uh, with you and we ended up working on the forever savage piece that just came out so amazing uh yeah, yeah it just it came out you know funky like a monkey brother <laughs> well what i what i enjoyed about that entire process yeah. was that you you obviously had a vision you wanted it to be synonymous with the 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 macho man you know right. and you had this particular promo that you found where that was the one that really like it really hit you mm -hmm. and and you you gave me some really good direction and sometimes an artist like myself it's really important to get that outside direction to kind of steer you where you need to be because i've got i've got ideas out the wazoo sure. but but you know it's like being a film director it's you got to have that producer to rein you in a little bit it's like it's like being in any artistic genre there has to be certain levels uh, around you, above you, even below you that, that kind of direct you where you need to go. So that was like my first real taste at getting really solid direction for a design revolving around a character. We're both passionate. Really? About. You're, you're, ki are you kidding me? No well, one's, I've, to, no I've, one's I've, given I've, you that direction. I've had people in the past where they're just like, go for it, man. <laughs> and I'm like, do you really want me to go for it? Do you really want me? Because, because I can do some crazy stuff. But it's sure. it's it's really nice having that because I want to be able to produce a product that I know is synonymous with a particular character that's very fond to a lot of people. So it's good uh, having absolutely. that direction, and and it's been great ever since. You you've got that part down. Oh, thanks, brother. That 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 really means a lot, especially coming from you. Um, and look, you know, it's so funny because my, my father and I actually spoke about working with creatives and providing direction uh, to them, and and that could be. That could be a brutal process uh, yeah. for some creatives. Some creatives are like, you know, hey, dude, like, you know, don't, 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 you know, don't, you know, uh, you know, squelch my vibes here. You right, I mean? right. Like where, um, you know, being a creative myself, because, you know, like, look, that's how I cut my teeth. I, I really cut my teeth uh, as a designer. You know, I'm not an illustrator like you. I'm our skill sets are very different. Um, but you know, it's, it's creative nonetheless. Yeah. And so, um, uh, I've, I've been on the business end of getting terrible feedback and terrible direction. Right. And I, so I've learned a lot on how to speak to creatives, 
uh, because, you know, it's you know, just basically, you know, how would you want somebody to speak to you? Right. You know, and, and, and that's been a tremendous, you know, a tremendous part of kind of a piece of how I I'm able to work and, and get the best out of the, out of the people, the partners, the, the collaborators that I work with. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think that's a tremendously undervalued, uh, piece, uh, that people just, you know, n- normal people wouldn't even think, oh, there's a certain way I have to speak to the people that I work with. Yeah. Direction is very important. And, and, and working with several art directors over the past few years, you, you definitely get that, that there's that middle ground that, that you like to stay in. There's some people that are a little too soft handed with it, right. which can be more of a challenge yeah. because you're trying to grab more from them. You're trying to ask them, what can I really do to make this as good as it could possibly be? Absolutely. And, and then you do have the folks that are just like extremely, just like hypercritical come at you with every right. point and, and you just have to do it or, or die on your hill. So right. So yeah, it's it's very important uh, on both sides of the table because totally. for you, communicating with artists who, by nature, can be very they can internalize things because it's their create their creativity that they're putting on display. Totally. Um, as an artist, it's also equally as important to be able to communicate back to to the critical mind that is directing you. Absolutely, and 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 be able to to take it because, like I said, yeah. a lot a lot of artists can't. Right. Yeah. C- creatives yeah. are notorious for being, uh, you know, like I said, you know, kind of, I don't want to say stubborn, but you know, you're, this is, that's, that's the creative vision that the, 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 the artist put forward. And, you know, sometimes it's very difficult for them to compromise on their particular vision. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, like I said, being, being a creative and coming and being on both sides of the coin, it allows me to be extremely empathetic uh, mm-hmm. to, to, to my collaborators and, and really understand how to communicate with them. Look, I, am I perfect? No. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Nobody's perfect. Right. Uh, but I do the best I can. And when I get to work with guys like you, uh, who are just so good at what they do, it makes, it makes the job that much more enjoyable. Um, and I mean, look, dude, I mean, look, look what we're doing for a living. I mean, like it's, it's a trip, right? <laughs> I have to remind myself sometimes, like when I talk to my wife, I'm like, Hey, I got this thing I got to do. I got to draw, uh, you know, half naked men, you know, <laughs> it's, it, it's a bit of a trip. I mean, because I'm balancing two worlds, right? I've got my freelance life where I do stuff with you and other clientele. And then I also have my business where right. we're doing, we're doing entertainment, we're doing caricature and we're doing all these other things and and i pinch myself constantly because i'm just like this is the wildest generation right now where you can make money doing anything you want yeah it's crazy and again again, i I bring it back to to my father um on on the the previous episode he even said because my father grew up he was an artist He, he i mean way better artist than I could ever dreamed of being. I mean, the guy's classically trained and, you know, he's, he's painted like Renaissance paintings and you know, like what the heck? Um, but the problem being, you know, growing up in the fifties, sixties, seventies, you didn't have this whole digital revolution where guys like that, that were talented and could have made a really good living. Uh, they just didn't have the outlet, right? Unless you were like a sign painter or something like that, or, right. you know, you were doing illustrations for magazines and, and those jobs are few and far between. And they, went to the best of the very best whereas you know you really you just have to be good at this point <laughs> uh, you're not lying <laughs> you know, like, it's true there's plenty of work out there especially in yeah. the digital age 
Yeah, it's a very wild economy right now. Lots of opportunities. If I could tell you how many NFT messages I get in my DMs on a right. weekly basis, right? it's wild. Um, it's just, there's so many avenues, especially now in the collector's market and with, uh, with Bitcoin being what it is uh, and the blockchain being what it is. There's so much demand now for digital art yeah. and it could be anything, it just has to be collectible. Where, where have you netted out on this NFT craze? Uh, so typically I, so I've been reached out a few times uh, for NFT collaborations. The very first one I did, I asked for cash upfront. I, I didn't even want so you anything didn't want, on the back you didn't, end. You didn't, you didn't want Bitcoin. You didn't want crypto. You wanted cash. I didn't, I didn't want anything on the back end. I just wanted to see how it played out. Okay. Because I, it was, you know, it was new to them as well. Sure. They were getting, they were getting into the realm. They, they had their own gallery space, whatever. So I created two original pieces for them uh, and they were GIFs. So they were animated pieces mm -hmm. and I just charged them my rate. And I said, guys, if this blows up, just awesome. come back and I'll do more stuff for you. Right. And then we can renegotiate from there. But if it doesn't, at least I know I'm protected for my time. Right, right, right. Did not blow up. Um, and then the next collaboration that was reached out about uh, was in regards to sports NFTs. They were more of a startup situation. So I kind of want to see where they go with it. But I've had people ask me if I wanted to do like 200 variants of the same character uh, uh, and they would sell them at like a lower price point uh, mm -hmm. and then just see how it goes. And I just... I don't know if it's for me right now, man. I, I have friends in the space and they're having fun, but nobody's getting rich off of it. I mean, right. it's, I mean, the more, the more I dig into it, the more I feel or find that these, these, these crypto art or the, or the NFTs that really go ballistic, it's, it's very few and far between, right? Because there's yeah. so many people publishing and minting their NFTs every day. Yeah. Um, it becomes, you know, it, it really has to hit the right kind of like, it's got to go viral in a weird way. Right? Well, and, that, and that's, those are the conversations I've had uh, yeah. established artists that have been doing digital artwork for a number of years that already have a following. Yeah. They're doing great. Yeah. They're, they're, they're doing like, there's a boss logic who's literally made tens of millions of dollars in, in NFTs uh, because he's been out there for so long and he already had that following. But uh, the grassroots artists, the people that I know, they have to network their tails off. They have to really get out there. They have to, they have to be on all the forums. They have to be on all the discords. They have to have these conversations, um, you know, on social media with fellow NFT artists just so they can get their foot in the door and build that audience. But they're working yeah. super hard to get there. Totally. Totally. I mean, from look and at the risk of sounding very old here, um, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm I'm on the sidelines at the NF uh, with the NFT movement at the time. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm waiting to see how this whole thing plays out. Sure, and 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 a lot of people that are in the space say, you know, if you wait, that's it. It's going to pass you by. Um, I don't know. I I, I you know, I, I think it's, you know, I think it's an interesting space. I'm certainly intrigued by it. Uh, I can't tell you how many of my friends are involved in the space yeah. uh, and constantly are just like you hitting me up to get involved as well. Um, and, and, and listen, I, I wish all my friends that are involved in it all the best. And same I, look for us, for guys like us, we want that space to blow up because we're creators. Absolutely. So, yeah, so if, if, if it does become a viable marketplace and, and something that could be sustainable and, you know, kind of real over time, 
then that's that's amazing. I'm very much looking forward to this metaverse. Uh, I really am. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh, getting back into like opportunities digitally, you mm -hmm. know that that's what it's all about. And uh, yeah, like I I've been reading I've been reading the good stories and the bad stories. You want to hear a really funny bad one? I I love a good funny bad story. Okay. <laughs> so so WWE did a John Cena NFT. Okay. And the way they had a lot of success with a Undertaker NFT a month or two prior. And it okay. did really well for them. I believe that. That makes sense to me. So they decided they wanted to do a John Cena NFT. Okay. And what they do is they pair each NFT purchase with a tangible package. So See, I like that. I that's like big, that. right? Yeah. So yeah. you you buy the John Cena NFT for, I don't know, 1500 bucks, and you get like this limited run shirt, one of 100, and then you get all this other stuff. I think that's great. Whenever you could pair this nft with something that's tangible or some sort of experience like i know gary v does like this uh you know it's like a redeemable experience with him if you have yeah. like, the friendship bear or whatever like he'll hang out with you for an hour and it's redeemable one time and then you pass it on i think that's brilliant that's very that's, cool as if you could use nfts as an access token i think that's tremendous because that you're using it in an innovative way i love that and I think I think the lesson WWE learned from this is because Cena disclosed that they only they had a hundred available and they only sold nine. Really? <clears throat> why but, do you think? Why do you think it? Did, did you think it was because they couldn't see him? <laughs> I think I think the valuable lesson they learned from it was you know don't overstep. That's one thing. Uh -huh. Know your market. Don't overstep. And if you're going to have a T-shirt, it better be a damn good T-shirt because okay. it was not the best design T-shirt in the it world. Okay. Adam, if you and I did that shirt, they would oh, have yeah. easily sold 10. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> easily. At least, at least, at least nine and a half. <laughs> yeah. But I think, I think it's really, you know, the market's trying to figure it out, right? They're trying to figure out like they, they want to know their audience. And, and when you have an audience and you're catering to a specific audience, like, mm -hmm. like boss logic, for example, the people that are buying his NFTs, these are people that are certifiably millionaires. These are people that are making really good money, really good wealthy livings. people. Yeah. yeah. Very I mean, wealthy people. There, there's, there's a lot of athletes that are, you know, it, it, I find it interesting. They're buying these, these NFTs and then they're using them as their like Twitter avatar or their Instagram avatar as well yeah like the, the the ape ones i don't even know what they're called uh you know oh the, that the crypto that's apes the, i think it's called right yeah that's that's the metaphor that's always used for me when people reach out to me they say we want to be the next crypto apes and i'm like yeah there's already hundreds of them i see them everywhere <laughs> right it's nuts so 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 cena cena fell on his face huh that that's uh interesting it's very very interesting and, and you think it was because of the the merch pairing or you just think it was the, the character that they chose I don't think it was the character because Cena has been a known draw as far as like retail sales are concerned. I think what it boiled down to is knowing your audience and where someone's probably happy to pay $500 to $1,000 to meet him at an event and get mm -hmm. his autograph. Mm -hmm. I don't think people are chomping at the bent to spend $1,500 to have a one of a kind t-shirt or one of a hundred t-shirts. Yeah. So I think, the space in order for it to thrive is each individual gallery space and anyone that's pumping out the NFTs, they just have to understand their audience. Yeah. There's going to be those people that want to spend 0.01 in Ethereum. There's going to be the people that are going to want to spend five. 
So you just got to cater to those audiences. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, the reality is, in my opinion, the market hasn't really matured yet. Right. Like, yeah. like crypto is certainly on the tips of a lot of people's tongues right now. A lot of people are like, what, what is this crypto stuff? Even people that just aren't aren't in the digital space. Like, so right. people are curious, but it's not like everybody has a crypto wallet. Right. So, right. you know, it's like you said before, like supply and demand, like, where where are we really at? How many people are we really talking to? How many people can we really sell to? And I'm sure a lot of people are gonna get at me. Oh, there's millions of people that have crypto and I, I yes, I I got it. I'm not trying to upset anybody. Right. I got it. There's millions, but you know, the reality is it needs to be billions. Yeah. Right. It, for this thing to really and it, it you know what? Look, it could get there. you know, and and that's the thing I keep saying, like, where is this all going to net out? Is Bitcoin going to be the coin? Is it going to be Ethereum? Is it going to be Litecoin? Is it going to be what coin is it going to be? Is the government going to come out with their own crypto? I bet you they will. You know what I mean, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So and I know like the government coming out with their own crypto goes against everything in that that crypto stands for. Right. Uh, but look, the reality is, you know, money is being uh, used less and less, right? I mean, we hear about people talking about Venmo me, right? And that's, yeah. that's a completely paperless transaction. Yeah, liquidity I mean, is not in your pocket. Liquidity no, is in the cloud. It's it, like- Literally, yeah. And I, yeah, I've been saying this for quite a while that money is gonna become passe, um, but look, uh, you know, not you know, money, but paper money, right? Physical. Yeah. Uh, but look, but then there's the other side of me that always says, hey, look, cash is king. You know, and, and and I don't know. I maybe I'm old school, but I don't know. I I'm I, I'm so I go I'm so torn on all this. I, I know it's really it's really difficult. You know, my my business partner and I with the caricature business, we made a very hard decision this year to go paperless with all of our retail transactions. Okay. We didn't see a single dip. If it, we actually saw a thirty percent increase. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. So you're as far as uh, paperless transaction goes. Uh, are we talking about like credit cards, Venmo? Zelle? We just did. We just we just did credit card only. Uh-huh. So we didn't we didn't do we didn't do Venmo, okay. um, and we didn't do Zelle or anything like that. So you're using we, like a Square. Yeah, we we had Square. So we do Square invoicing for parties and events, and then we do just Square transactions when we're doing retail. Mm-hmm. And yes, we upped our prices, but everything we did was paperless, and our artists saw higher tips. And our sales were up 30%. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And less, and less to worry about from a, um, uh, from a loss prevention standpoint as well. Why do you think that? Do you, do you think it's because when people pay in cash, they're just limited to what they have in their pocket? And when they're paying with credit card, uh, they, you know, it's just like, just, oh, yeah, sure, 20%. It, it sounds about right. Is that what you think it might yeah, be? I, I, yeah, I think it's just more like, it's just like, uh, it's like an old hat, you know, you just have, you just feel comfortable when you pull the credit card out, you see the screen, and then you just see these buttons, these arbitrary buttons that just tell you a percentage, you don't even think about it. So it worked out really well for our people. I'm not saying that that's the direction things are going to go. But I'm saying the trends that I've noticed, at least up in Seattle, is that people are perfectly fine going paperless. Wow. I still like having cash when I'm in certain places. I'm not going to say what those places are, but but there will there will come a time where people people have Venmo tattoos, you know, like a little little QR code. It's already happened. Oh, it's wild. It's already happened. So now that we're, we're, we're chatting about your business over the line, 
Yeah. Uh, tell me, tell me a bit about that. How did that get started? I mean, I, 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 we could all imagine how it got started. You're an artist, but, uh, you know, give us, give us a little color background, how it all came to be. Yeah. So I've been in, I've been in the character industry for a number of years. I started drawing them in 1999 in Cincinnati, Ohio, and, uh, through working in, uh, the retail setting at theme parks, uh, I eventually moved up the corporate ladder, started training people, started teaching other character artists and showing them how to do the job. And uh, throughout all of that, I had a friend named Dexter Rothschild that uh, we, we grew really close. And he moved up to Seattle, I want to say in 2008. Okay. And he was begging me, begging me. He said, please, Nolan, move to Seattle. Wow. I need you out here. We we have something out here. There's a market it, 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 and it hasn't been tapped into yet. So it took me a couple of years, but I finally moved out here in 2010. And that's when we really ramped up over the line art. So, so real, real quick. I mean, we're all for, like every single, anybody who's listening to this with an earshot has experienced or walked past one of these character artists at a theme park right, and right. have seen the character artist. Uh, we, we, most of us have probably had one done at one time or another. Uh, and I'm sure uh, we all wonder how did this guy end up here or gal end up here? <laughs> right. It, Cause it's, it, it, it's a trip to see like, and, 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 and these people are so fast at drawing these amazing characters, obviously some better than others. I've had some characters right. where I go, I don't know who that is, but you know, here you go. And, and you always, you, you kind of feel bad. You got to give them the, the tip and the, right, right. and the thing regardless, but you don't have, I, I pers, I could, and that's that, I, w I would love to t chat with you about that, but I want to chat with, first chat with you about how did you get into character? Cause you started off, you know, doing Spider-Man, you're drawing yeah. wrestling guys. How did you see, cause it's, it's, it's completely different skill set, right? Like you're tapping yeah. into a totally different part of your brain, in my opinion. It, it's true. And it's, it was one of those things where I, so my first job ever was when I was 15 years old, I got a job working the games at a theme park called Kings Island. Okay. And so the basketball shot, ski ball, the arcade games. So I would help operate and run those and, you know, take all the transactions. But uh, there was always this little booth right across from the basketball shot right next to the railroad station. And there was this beautiful girl uh, uh. drawing, drawing these cartoons. And I will admit the first thing that caught my eye was the artist. But the second thing that caught my eye was what she was creating. Right. She was drawing these really amazing drawings of these people. They were cartoony, which kind of fell in line with the cartoon aspect that I, I grew to love and appreciate. Yep. Um, and they were using these markers that, uh, emulated these beautiful uh, uh, calligraphic lines that really appealed to me from a comic book standpoint. And then these people could get bodies if they wanted to. So right. you could draw them as superheroes, sports figures, right. doing this, that, or the other thing. So I, I went over and I talked to her and I was like, you know, I'm a pretty good artist myself. I could probably do that. And, you know, she kind of shrugged it off. But then uh, she gave me the name of her manager and I applied for the job. And for two years in a row, I didn't get it. I was denied. Wow. And uh, they, the first year I was too young. The second year they had too many people or they, they had too many people and they, they couldn't, they, they had all the slots filled. But then the third year I was dedicated. I came in with a, a sweet portfolio. Wow. It was 1999. Uh, Star Wars episode one just came out. So I just gave them like 20 drawings of Jar Jar Binks <laughs> and, uh, 
And then I, I, I actually drew someone live during the interview and I, they oh, liked it enough. Yeah. Wow. They, they dug it and I got the job and I got some uh, boot camp training and they just threw me out there to the wolves, man. Wow. That, well, listen, um, you know, Michael Jordan was cut from his high school basketball team. Yeah, there you go. So look, <laughs> that doesn't, you know what I mean? Look, that, that, that's, that's how championships are won. Rejection is not necessarily a bad thing in your not life. Not at all. No, you know, it's very that, motivational, extremely motivational. And anytime somebody tells you you can't do something, yeah, it, you, you watch me, watch me, you know, yeah. that's 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 great fuel for the fire. In my opinion, I've I've dealt with a fair amount of rejection in my life. And and that's always made me want to battle back stronger. You know, everybody, Absolutely. Loves, everybody loves a good underdog, right? A good Rocky story, you know, so there he is. <laughs> Hey, how you doing? Hey, <laughs> yo, Adrian, I love it. So, so, okay. So, so you start, so prior to this though, you didn't have any character experience. You had, had you drawn your friends in a character kind of way, or you were just, you really just kind of jumped from fry pan, frying pan into the fire on this. So, you know, I would, I would, I, I can't say I would caricaturize my friends. I would cartoonify them. So I would, you know, they were very simplistic, but yeah, they did fall under the caricature, you know, category. Right. Uh, but once I was under the umbrella, mm-hmm. I got some really good training in every facet of the job. Right, right. I right, got, right, I got right. training artistically to help me understand the line work and how, how different features relate to one another. But then I also got that real life, the really valuable training and that's the sales training and, and interacting with people and and reading people. Right. So when we hire people, when we hire artists or even interview artists for that matter, the very first thing we look at isn't necessarily their portfolio and the caliber of their work. We look at the caliber of their character. We look at the caliber of the individual. We, we, we say to ourselves, can we see this person at an event with thousands of people? Can we see them talking to an individual, talking to a small child for, for 10 minutes and, and keeping them entertained? So to me, uh, some of the most valuable things I learned on that job wasn't necessarily the artistic aspect. Right. It was, it was the ability to read and the ability to to communicate and sell my, my artistic wares. Right. So what you're saying is it's less about the art and it's more about the experience that's provided. Yeah. Many times. And if it is about the art, uh, we always tell the guests, choose your artist carefully. You know, right, 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 right. Watch what they're doing. Don't just arbitrarily line up and just hop in the right. seat. It's not a race. Yeah, but most people don't have that art, that uh, that trained eye to know who's a good artist and who isn't. Right. That's most, true. That, most, that is true. Most people. I mean, yeah, some do. You know, some do, but most most don't have a clue. Uh, yeah. of what good and bad art really is. I mean, you know, their gut tells them, but you know, what do they know? They don't realize, they don't realize <laughs> what bad art is until they spend a hundred bucks on it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly my point. So, and, and, and I'd love, I mean, dude, I mean, how many faces at this point would you say you've looked at and drawn? Uh, not as many 20, as it used 20 to years, be. years, right? Yeah, 20 it's been 20, 20 plus years. It'll be, it'll be 20, 23 years. Oh my God. Next year. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, yeah, I it's crazy. It. Uh, crazy to think about it. Uh, you know, I was I was interviewed a few times and asked that question back in my prime when I was doing it all the time, and I I, I said I'd stretch to say maybe half a million. Maybe what? I was thinking thousands. You think you've drawn five hundred thousand faces? 
So if you were to take my most formidable years on an average day, a busy day, I would draw about 40 faces. On a busy day, I draw about 70 faces. That's oh one day. God. Yeah. So if you do the math, it does start to add up after a while. Oh my God. That is incredible. That it's is pretty nuts. Crazy. Yeah. So I, I could only imagine how your brain must process a face at this point in the game, right? Much like, different than it used to be. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm sure. But I'm, I mean, when you're, because anybody who's really, really good at something, their brain accesses things in very different ways. Uh, right. at, least, at least from the experience that, that I have personally with things that I do, um, uh, because, you know, there's always a problem and then your brain has a solution that's packed away that you've, you've come up with before, right? Uh, in, in my experience, right? So I would assume you probably look at faces and go, oh, you're this face, right? And you're, you're this set of eyes, uh, you know, you're, you're, you know, option A and then, you know, whatever, uh, volume 32 you know what i mean it's like you could act you've drawn those eyes before if you've drawn a half a million faces you've seen so many noses and mouths and cheekbones yeah. it's it's you it's it becomes kind of a jigsaw puzzle to you it's like okay i've done this before i know my way around these features is that how it works for you there there is a lot of recall and on a busy day and this is kind of this and it, it, i'm really happy you you brought this up because as an artist we try to avoid that we always try to find a different solution or a different a different way to depict something because mm -hmm. as an artist it's our it's it's something that's imbued within us to try and get better with everything we're doing right on a busy day i will fall under those traps and I, I'm not saying they're traps because it's not really a trap to make a, a, a shit ton of money. It's <laughs> that's a good problem to have. Right, but then right, you have right. you have you have you know like you have like the little devil on this shoulder saying, "Keep pumping them out. Come, come on, come on, buddy. You can keep doing it. Keep doing it. Keep doing it." And then you have right. this like little this little artist. You know, you have like little Van Gogh on this shoulder. That's like, I died for my art. You need to make this. <laughs> You need to make this really good. But nowadays, what I tell most of the artists, because, you know, it's an, we're, we're still living in an economy, especially in Seattle, where everything's very expensive, as I'm sure you know, in California. Yeah. Um, and, and I tell my artists and myself a lot of the times, I'm like, you have to balance it. So if you have a day where you see that one face that just speaks to you, I don't care how long you spend on Take that one time. face. Take the time, man. Do it for you. You know, uh, this is this is your opportunity to create something that you can be really happy with. And yeah. then the rest of the day, focus on making money because you, you can't have that experience all day because you won't be able to pay your rent. You know, so have that experience for an hour and then spend the next seven hours really just trying to make people happy, obviously, but also pay your rent. Right. So it's, it's a balancing act for a lot of artists. Some artists go way far to the right and they just do the stamping on everything. And then there's artists that are way far on the other end that just do the artistic aspect. And I don't, I honestly don't know if either one's truly happy. I don't, I mean, I have no clue, but I always try to tell everyone just meet in the middle somewhere, do a little bit of both. Yeah. Wow. That's tremendous, man. I, I, I I always see those guys at, at the parks or wherever I see them. And I just go, wow, that that's a, it's a grind. It yeah. is a, it is a grind. And, uh, especially with, with art where, you know, like I said, you artists, you know, they really want to put out, I mean, the artists that I know, they always want to put out really great work. 
yeah. and, and, and I could imagine what that's like seeing, like you said, 60 to 70 faces a day, uh, you know, and having and have and dealing with that inner turmoil of do I do I really spend happen. the time here? <laughs> yeah. So with seeing half a million faces uh, and drawing them, you must have just incredible stories of, of, of either people that have sat in your chair or, or just funny instances that have happened where somebody maybe said to you, this doesn't look like me. Like what, how, how do you deal with that? Oh God. Uh, I deal with it a lot better now than I did when I was younger. That's for sure. I think <laughs> my first year I was more concerned with getting phone numbers and like, okay. <laughs> you know, like stupid, stupid stuff like that. Uh, and I do have one story when I was younger, I think I was 18 and some lady, I'm not going to say she was particularly attractive. Maybe she was, she was beautiful on the inside, but she <laughs> was so satisfied with my depiction of her that she came back later when I was in the middle of drawing someone else and licked my earlobe and said, what? thank you. <laughs> now think about that in today's society with wow. COVID being what it is and all right. that. But yeah, we do experience a lot of things. There's also a lot of uh, ribbing. You know, we will prank each other quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, you know, we'll say, oh, man, you know, he, he's just going to draw you really fat or he's going to draw you with big ears. <laughs> right. Don't go to that artist. But most of the time, it's really good natured, really good hearted. Uh, right. You get the occasional crotchety person that's not happy or. Yeah, I was going to say, you, you, I would assume you, you had to have a couple of Karens in your career. Oh, totally. Yeah. And it's I usually do the uh, the audience poll. So I will have the subject right here. I'll rip off the drawing and I'll show it to everyone behind me and I'll say, hey, does this look like him? Does this look like her? Wow. And, and if the majority says yes, then I look at the customer. And I'm like, there you have it. <laughs> and if they say no, then I'm like, all right, well, that's a goose egg. I'm not making any money on that sale, but. So, 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 so do, do they say, Hey, you got to do me again. And, and, and that's gotta be tough for the art. Like, you know what I mean? Like the artist has gotta be like, I really don't want to be doing the drawing this person again, especially after they said that my artwork didn't look like them. Yeah. I think that goes back to what you mentioned about critiquing, right? It's, right. it's artists, you know, we can internalize things. So our, our company policy is uh, if you're not happy with your drawing, you're more than welcome to sit for a different artist. Okay. So, I like that. I yeah, like we, we try not to put the artist in a position where that they've they've already been rejected once. Right. And now they have to deal with, is this going to happen again? I've already wasted this much time the first time. Am I going to keep wasting my time? Exactly. So I always tell them, hey, listen, let's just like see if there's another artist that's more your flavor. Let's get you in their seat and then they, they'll make it happen for you. And I've never had a customer deny that. Uh, and I've also never had a customer upset with the, the finished product. Yeah. It's a hard conversation to have with the artist though, but of after course. a while it's, it's kind of like, uh, you know, you work out enough, your hands get calloused, yeah. uh, if you're drawing enough and that happens to you a few times after a while, it's no big deal. And I want to talk to you too, you know, COVID made us all adjust in really innovative ways. And I noticed what you were doing uh, during COVID because, you know, you couldn't do these corporate engagements anymore. You couldn't, you couldn't get to the theme parks or the boardwalks or, or wherever it is that your, your artists would naturally be in their natural habitat. Right. So I noticed you, you adjusted to doing online character sessions uh, as a part of your, your offerings. You know, speak to that. How'd you guys come up with that? We are very lucky that COVID happened 
last year versus 10 years prior, mm -hmm. because I don't know what many artists would have done if that were right. the case. Digital art wasn't a big thing. We didn't have these online tools, you know, to talk to people from around the world. So the idea was not ours. It was something that our community had kind of concocted together. Okay. And I know in the past, there were a few caricature artists that had already been doing this uh, for, you know, conventions in Austria or France. So cool. Where, because there's not a large concentration of people that do what we do in other countries, especially from an entertainment aspect. Mm -hmm. So a lot of these countries would reach out to American artists and they'd say, how can we make this work? What's what's a good workaround? So there were, I don't know if it was a, a guy named Ryan Rhodes or, or or maybe a guy named Court Jones, but someone had toyed around with the idea of doing remote characters before and just said, this is what I've done. You guys should do that. And so we started marketing it. Uh, and then Microsoft, who has been a client of ours for well over a decade, started doing more and more virtual events and they started mm -hmm. to fold us into those. So we we're still doing them. I've got two this week. So awesome. And, yeah. and, I, and, and I said this, too, at the at the beginning of, or I guess the middle of the pandemic, I said the companies that could figure out how to make it through covid are going to come out so so amazing so they're going to add an offering or two to the other end of this because yeah. covid made us all innovate what our offerings were or how we conduct business right you know in, in my case it was doing a lot more of these these zoom meetings uh, where typically i would travel and and go spend some facetime uh not this kind of facetime but real facetime or right press right. flesh if you will right uh you know and, and i always and i was always a huge propon proponent for there's no replacement for for sitting with somebody in a physical space and and actually getting together with them spending real time with them and i still believe that there's there's no replacement for that but i agree but um, you know the the teleconferencing uh, technology has gotten so much better, and people have become so much more custom and open to doing them that it's opened up business opportunities. I think in, in a much broader way, uh, especially for like for what you guys are doing, it, it's incredible. Your footprint was quite literally limited to Seattle, uh, and now you're you're global. Your opportunities, yeah. there's there's no there's no bounds for your offerings at this point in the game, and and I love that you guys figured out how to survive and thrive, yeah. And now you're on the other side of it, and now you have this amazing new offering, this this what could be a tentpole offering for your business, um. And I and I absolutely love that. That's a, that's such a, that's so tremendous. And also, your artists don't necessarily have to be in Seattle; they could be anywhere. So that, that's you, definitely the case. Yeah. It's so yeah. cool. It's so cool. So, I mean, kudos to you, man, for, for, you know, adding that to, to the, the, that, that piece to your repertoire or, or, or offering to your business. I mean, that's, like I said, now you have a whole new piece of business, virtual characters. It's tremendous. And, and, and I love, I love it too. I think it's such a great team building thing. I was a, I was a part of your early beta when yeah. you were first, you were like, Hey, how is this going to hold? How is this going to yeah. work? And the process was so smooth. I, you know, I got to chat with some people in the, in the, in, yeah. the, in the chat room while you were drawing other people, Adam, you're up and, and you, you drew me and I was I'd done 10, 15 minutes, whatever it may have been. Yeah. We got to, you know, vibe and chat for a little bit. You sent me my character. I was super happy with the way the, the process was, it was, you know, it was great. I thought, I just thought it was 
super innovative and and really different. And yeah. so I, I applaud you for 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 adding that and figuring out how to adjust in in those trying times. It was still still trying times. Well, thank you for being a part of that. Of I course. would have appreciated it if you wore some clothes, but <laughs> that's well, besides listen, the point. You didn't <laughs> specify, you know. <laughs> that was it. Was it's been fun? I mean, this weekend, or uh, I'm sorry, a one week from tomorrow, we're drawing people in India. We're drawing hey, people so in great. Israel. So great. Uh, we've, yeah, we got 15 artists, different time zones working. It's 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 a really cool thing. And to be honest, a lot of these corporate entities that used to have these major events, we used to do events at CenturyLink Field for Amazon, where they had right. they literally had 20,000 people on site for a Christmas party. And, and we would do these events and they were massive in scale and they were great for the artists because we'd have 25 artists working at them. But now everything's virtual. Yeah. They still haven't made that leap back into personal, you know, attended events. And so it's been a great, honestly, I don't have to drive. I don't have to wear pants for that matter. I can just. I'm not wearing pants right now. Yeah, see, we're on board. So <laughs> it's it's been really cool. And it has it has presented some fun opportunities for other artists that I normally wouldn't have had an opportunity to work with. So it's great. So awesome. So awesome, dude, man. That's that's great. That really, really is tremendous. I I, I want again, I, I, I applaud you for that. Um, I want to jump into um, your place in 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 the wrestling art community. We haven't we haven't we haven't scratched that service yet i think you know a lot of people know you f- for that i mean obviously you know you have your over the line business and that's been tremendously successful it sounds like and 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 that's that's amazing in itself uh but you know you have a you you have a passion as we've uh uh mentioned for wrestling and yeah. partic- particularly old school wrestling i mean i know you're into it uh these days as well you're into kind of what's happening but you're it seems that your heart really is in the golden era um good yeah i tell i tell a lot of people like if if all i could do were nostalgia pieces for for the rest of my wrestling art career i would be happier than a pig and you know what i just <laughs> Like, you know, people are always like, are you tired of drawing the NWO? Are you try- tired? Of- no. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, no, are you kidding me? Like, this is my youth. This is like me reliving some of my my most valuable memories. Totally. And and I, and I get to pass that on to other people and, and they get to, you know, be a part of it. I think that's like the coolest thing ever. Yeah. And I and, you know, the current product, I, I still I still watch it occasionally and I'll, I'll still go to the live events and I I'm I, I still talk to some of the wrestlers that perform for them. But my heart has always been with WWF from 1990 till about 2006. Right. So there's a 16 year window where I was just like all in <laughs> watching it all the time, just loving every second of it. So and, how did, how did you jump into, I mean, uh, was it something that you found yourself into this? Cause this is it. Oddly enough, I kind of found myself kind of roaming around this community myself and following other guys that are also involved in the in the in the in the wrestling art uh scene but it, it there's a lot of overlay right there's there's collectors that collect the, the toys um and, you know then and then there are guys that you know they're just really into you know kayfabe and they're into you know like the, the community is is real strong it's wild uh, and there's a lot of overlap you know there there really there really is um you know 
again, just like you, my heart is in the golden era. Um, you know, so yeah, I, I can't, I can't, it's, it's too much to follow for me these days with these new characters. Um, but I will say I, I owe a tremendous debt to Vince McMahon and, and, and that may, that may sound funny. Um, but I'm not going to lie. Um, I believe a huge part of my branding and marketing skills were learned from Vince McMahon. Yeah, no doubt about it. If you watched W, if you watched WWF in, in the eighties in and you saw the phenomenal job that this man did of every single one of these characters that came through those curtains. I mean, just, tr- I mean, listen, there were a few flops, you know, uh, you know, Max Moon, maybe not so good, but look, <laughs> there hey, were- there's, there's flops every week, <laughs> <laughs> you know, what I mean? like, you know, repo man. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but look, my, my point is the, the stars that really shined in the WWF were branded mm-hmm. and marketed flawlessly. Absolutely. They stuck to their gimmick. And they were consistent on a day on a, on a, on a week to week basis, right? The million dollar man was always the million dollar man. He stuck, he stuck, stuck by his brand. His messaging was on point. When the guy got on the mic, he was, he played the character mm-hmm. like, like a, like a fiddle. Like he was unbelievable. The cat, you know, the suits, the, the flashy suits with the dollar signs. And obviously the, the, the marquee art that they had for him, the, the music, everything was branded flawlessly he was on lifestyles of the rich and famous man (laughs) he was the epitome of corporate greed during the 1980s all of you people out there still don't believe that you can be bought everybody's got a price for the million dollar man (laughs) and and they used vince mcmahon's house for that episode is that right wow yeah i didn't know that i love that yeah i love that but my point is I mean, the guy was a marketing, he was, is a marketing and branding genius. And so not only did I enjoy the storylines, but I really enjoyed the the color of it, right? And what I mean by the color is the, the thought that went into every character. Right. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the sound, the, uh, the theme song that played for every guy, like there was a reason for everything. And I, that drew me in as a creative and, you know, subsequent, subsequently probably you maybe subconsciously, but you know, what do you think, what do you think drew, drew you in as, as a, as a fan? Definitely a lot of the pageantry. I mean, I, and I, and to this day, I still tell people these are like real life superheroes. Like it's, it's, right. It's not Shakespeare, but in a sense, it is. I mean, it's ep- it's it, it's episodic storytelling yeah. that that's at your doorstep. You know, it's like if they're in the city that you live in, you get to go see this happen live. And if you don't get to go see it live, you can still watch it on your TV or your phone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the music, uh, definitely the glitz and glamour, the colors. I mean, obviously Hulk Hogan. Ultimate right. Warrior were the two standouts for me when I was a kid. Yep. I was so torn. I, I remember I saw WrestleMania six. We had to rent the VHS. Okay, we didn't have the pay per view, and you couldn't get the VHS until like three months after. And if you wanted to buy the VHS, it was like a whopping like eighty bucks. Yeah. Uh, so we rented it, and I still to that point had no clue if it was going to be Hogan or Warrior that was going to take home the belt. And I was heartbroken. I was Me heartbroken too. when Hogan lost, man. Me I was too. just like, oh, 
now I look back at it. I'm just like, oh, come on, man. I mean, <laughs> Hogan, Hogan was still the winner, you know, through when it was all said and done. But, obviously, um, obviously Hogan, as we know, is the goat. Yeah. Hogan is the goat. And you actually got to work with, with the Hulkster. Yeah. Talk, we're talk right about there. that. Talk about that. Yeah. I, uh, ooh, geez, 2012, I believe, uh, uh, I got a phone call, uh, from a guy named Ron Howard yep. and not the director, not Richie Cunningham, <laughs> uh, this like, this like dude with like a straight, he's like the epitome of Florida beach, dude. You talk to him on the phone and that's what you hear. And so he was just like, Hey man, I'm friends with Hulk Hogan. We're looking to start up some stuff. He saw a caricature you did. I'm sure. I, I hope Ron never hears this, but because uh, he'll hate my impersonation, but <laughs> um, he saw a caricature I did of him in like in 2007. Okay. And he's just doing, you know, the classic, you know, yep, yep. Mr. Olympia. Yeah, there you go. Uh, but Hogan was really into uh, he always he always calls my artwork strong. He's always like that's strong, brother. And so he was really into it. So I did a, a, a small line of licensed shirts for them back in 2012 with a company that I don't even think exists anymore. They just had like a backdoor licensing deal. I got a little bit on the back end. I don't know if we sold a lot, but I got to pretty much have carte blanche. I did like five designs, pretty much whatever I wanted. Mm -hmm. and they put them up on the website. Well, fast forward, I think a year or two later, Hogan starts up the beach shop in Clearwater, Florida. And they say, listen, man, we love what you get, what you did with us, uh, with these guys. We want to bring you in to design our logo and to do a few more things with us. And so I was like, yeah, let's do this. So, you know, we put a spin on his whole, you know, crab. He calls it the crab, mm -hmm. uh, did a couple other things for them. And then like, I want to say three months later, I see this post on Instagram of Jimmy Hart next to this massive fiberglass sign of my drawing. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, this is happening. This is real. It got this real is real, fast. man. Yeah, it got yeah, real yeah, yeah. fast. And so um, <laughs> at the time, Hogan was with TNA Wrestling in Florida. Right. And um, he was starting up the beach shop. And, you know, f fast forward another few months, the beach shop got off the ground. And I talked to Ron. And I was like, hey, Ron, uh, I'm going to be at this caricature convention in St. Pete's. That's like an hour away from you guys. Mm -hmm. I'd love to swing by and, uh, and meet the big man. And so he was like, all right, we'll see if we can make it happen. And so my wife was with me at the time and uh, we got to meet Hogan and he was incredibly cordial and thankful and awesome. uh, incredibly kind. And, you know, all these guys, once you reach a certain level, you get a, you get a bad rap no matter what, you know, and that's how, you know, you're at a certain levels when you right. have your haters, you're not successful if you don't have haters. Hey, as Biggie Small says, mo money, mo problems. Exactly. So people can say what they want about the big man, but every experience I've had with Hulk Hogan has been amazing. He's been incredibly good to me. He's been incredibly gracious and I will never forget that. He's one of the few figures that I grew up adoring that actually lived up to everything that was said about him. That's, I mean, th that's refreshing to hear, right? Cause you often hear, don't meet your heroes, right? Exactly. Uh, and, and it must be, that must've been scary, right? You're like, oh God, like, I hope this guy doesn't like, you know, 
really just crush my childhood. <laughs> no, he, he was, he was fantastic. And, and, you know, and I've told the story before, so it's not taboo or anything, but the day I met Hulk Hogan was the day that the infamous tape came out online. Mm-hmm. And I, I made the phone call to Ron and Ron said, I'm not sure he's going to make it out, man. He's got, he's got a meeting with his lawyers. Uh, I think he said like at the chicken hut or something like that, or at the wing, the wing hut. Right. And I was like, Oh man, this is, this is heartbreaking. I might not be able to meet him. I've been looking forward to this for so long. He still took the time to come see me and my wife. That's amazing. On a, on a a really bad day, like a day that had affected him and his relationship on a, on a deep emotional level. And he still came out to spend 30 minutes with me and my wife and, and to me, I don't know if I would have that in me, but he, right. he, he's that, he's that good of a guy. And he definitely appreciates the people that, that love him and, and that have and grown to adore him. If I could tell you how many people walked into the door of that beach shop out of the blue and oh, we're sure. just, we're just flipping out Yeah, and he would just like totally play it up. It was amazing. That's so cool. That's great to hear. That really is great to hear. There, there's, 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 you know, a lot of people in Hollywood, I've met a few, uh, as you could imagine, in my career. Um, and, you know, some of them are just, you know, salt of the earth. Right. Understand the position that they're in. Um, and then there are some that, you know, you know, expect the world, uh, you know, delivered at, at their feet, you know, and I get it, you know, like, especially when it comes to athletes, athletes, you know, it's... Um, uh, you know, not, you know, a wrestler, I think is a little different because, you know, um, you know, with, with particularly sports, sports athletes, uh, a lot of them, and I'm not, this is not, this is not a broad stroke. I'm I'm just saying some of them, um, you know, they stop maturing at at a certain age, right? Because once they hit 16 years old, 17 years old, people realize, wait a minute, this guy is amazing on the field or the court or whatever the case may be. And people start treating them special. Right. Right. And the maturity level uh, or not the maturity level, the maturity kind of sort of gets stunted because they don't go on to have these rough and tough experiences that we, most of us have in our twenties, thirties, forties. Right. And, and get these real life experiences where, you know, life isn't all, you know, oh, let me do this for you. Let me do that for you. Let me give me give you a free this, right? Where the world is kind of gifted to them because they are who they are. They're extremely right. talented, and it's and it's not by their fault. It's not their fault. Um, it's just you know, it's the way the world reacts to them, and so they develop in a certain way. And again, I don't blame them, but I've come across some athletes in my career. Um, that you go, okay, like, well, that was kind of like a 17 year old response, but you're like a 30 something year old man. Right. Um, yeah, I'm not going to name names, uh, but you know, some and and others I meet that I'm like, wow, this person is tremendous. Um, but I'm, I'm just so happy to hear, uh, that, that the Hulkster, uh, you know, uh, is, you know, lives up to his name and, 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 and is just awesome. Hopefully one day. I'll bestowed uh, uh, such an honor. Uh, you guys can flex next to each other. Oh, that would, yeah. We'll do the Mr. Olympia. Right? <laughs> uh, or the crab. Well, you, you, you know. There you go. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Um, but I also want to jump into um, uh, us working together. We, we came across this 
incredible opportunity uh, that uh, was, I mean, in my opinion, a dream come true for me. Um, you know, for, 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 you know, for some that are listening, they may know, uh, we have a company called big league pillows, um, uh, which started out of a, another opportunity. Um, you know, again, my bread and butter, the, the thing that pays my bills is my digital marketing agency, but I somehow, as I do find my, found myself involved in this particular opportunity, uh, with big league pillows. And uh, we've grown this thing over the past four years and it's gone on to do you know, really fun things. And when I first started with this thing, uh, the whole inspiration of Big League Pillows um, was um, nostalgia, right? Like I, you know, uh, when, I, when I was first invited into a pillow opportunity, I, the only thing I could think of was my WWF wrestling buddy that I had when I was a kid. It was my favorite thing that I had. It was such a cool product. I love that the art wrapped around the pillow and it was not a pillow. It was not a pillow. It was the, not at all. It was the hoaxer brother, right? Like it was, and it was, it was my wrestling buddy quite literally. And uh, it was just such, I had such, such, so many great fond memories of that thing. And so when I got involved in this pillow opportunity, somebody basically came to me and said, Hey, we want you to, you know, uh, would you be interested in, you know, coming up with a pillow product? The only thing I could think of was a wrestling buddy. Um, But naturally we backed into sports because of my background being so rich in sports and then again, a lot of that kind of nostalgia was wrapped into what Big League Pillows ultimately became with the draft letter and, and the box and, you know, the, the whole presentation. It's a, it's a nostalgia play. It really, really is. It, it harkens back to uh, a better day of the 80s. And, yeah. Um, you know, it has a whole Cabbage Patch vibe with the letter versus like, a, you know, adoption papers. So it was, um, you know, it, it was it, a lot of the inspiration came from that special time in my life because i knew i liked it and i you know i hope that other people that are maybe my age now will harken back to it when they see the product and kind of get that nostalgia vibes and a lot of them have picked up on it and a lot of them leave in the comments although it's a jersey shaped pillow um if you're not familiar by the way if you're watching this if you're not familiar go check out bigleaguepillows.com and you'll see exactly that's what they call a cheap pop in the industry right hey that was a good one (laughs) that was a good one <laughs> so again, a lot, and, and it's so funny because a lot of people, a lot of people that see the product see right through it and they go, this reminds me of a wrestling buddy that I had when I was a kid. And I love that. Whenever people pick up on that, I go, oh, that's so cool that people are picking up on that vibe because that's kind of what I was throwing down. Uh, that's to- that's totally where the inspiration came from. And uh, believe it or not, as luck would have it, I ended up meeting Stephanie Escander who was the original artist of uh, of the wrestling buddies. And we had great chats, like how you and I have great chats. Yeah. And, um, and you know, now we're working together, uh, Stephanie and I, on, on another project. And and we'll have Stephanie on here one day to, to chat about that. And I don't want to ruin that just yet because it hasn't been announced yet. But, you know, here, here's the scoop. We are working on something, something really fun. Um, and so getting to work with Stephanie, who created – the inspiration of what big league was. And and now uh, the UFC reaches out to us and says, Hey, how do we get involved in this big league business? And I say, well, what if, mm-hmm. what if we kind of did a big, what if we did a wrestling buddy inspired UFC product and, you know, fireworks from there. Right. And then, you know, you and I get on the phone and I say, Hey, got this opportunity. 
if there's a guy that would just knock this thing out of the park with, you know, the UFC and kind of giving it that edge and, and that modern day kind of artistic feel, you know, you're, I mean, are you kidding? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I had a wrestling buddy. <laughs> <laughs> of course you did. Of course. Who did you have? I had the Hulkster too, man. You had the Hulkster. Of course. I, yeah. I would, I would assume they probably sold a lot of Hulksters. Yeah. Maybe, <laughs> maybe a few, <laughs> probably, yeah, maybe a few, probably a couple. Uh, but my buddy had the macho man. Uh, I did, I did see uh, one of my friends maybe had a boss man. Uh, obviously, you know, warrior was big. That was a big uh, one. There was a million dollar man. Yep. I, I, I mean, I could only imagine what the numbers were in sales. I would, if I, if, if I could see the numbers of like Hulksters versus million dollar mans, I'd love to see that. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> Can't I mean, even imagine. <laughs> yeah. But so, yeah, man, like I, I'd love to hear kind of like what your thoughts were when I hit you on this opportunity. I mean, it was immediate excitement, to be honest with you. I mean, as soon as you brought wrestling buddies into the conversation, that was, you just ignited like a spark, you know, in my imagination and kind of thinking in line with where you wanted to go with it. I just started having these ideas swimming in my brain about how we could create something much more modern that you know, a modern audience could really gravitate towards, but like you said, still have that nostalgia aspect. Right. So when you came to me with the idea of doing Conor McGregor, I didn't want to do a complete 180 of what was done in the past, but I did want to, I did want to honor it and take it to the 21st century. So I started bringing more caricature aspects into it. Mm -hmm. We started to fold more likeness into it and capturing mm -hmm. those characters. Obviously, back in the 80s, uh, I don't think a tattooed wrestler would be a hot seller right. with the families. So incorporating tattoos into the mix and also like putting a spin on that was also an interesting challenge. Yeah, um, we you could not have picked a better prototype than Conor McGregor. Right. He is synonymous with MMA, but he's also kind of following that Vince McMahon you know, he's a mantra. Character. He's, a, he's character. a character. He's yeah. a character. He's a brand. What you're seeing at a press conference isn't the real Conor McGregor. That's it might Conor, be. It I, might I, be. I, I don't know. I believe. I believe that's who he is. Well, but I he's there. What anyone says. He's there to sell. He's there <laughs> no to doubt. sell. No doubt. He's there to put butts in seats. Yeah. You know, whether he wins or loses a fight, every time McGregor is is on the card, you know that that's going to be a gangbuster pay per view. So no it's just it. it's just one of those things where Conor was the perfect the perfect fit. I don't know if it were anyone else i don't know if it necessarily would have hit uh as well as it did right away right so i'm yeah. grateful yeah oh yeah no i i'm grateful i'm grateful for conor mcgregor as well we, we we all are i mean look he's you know he has his flaws just like everybody does you know uh look you know he's he happens to be in the spotlight so his flaws are certainly way more uh magnified than you know say you are out mine or yours or of anybody's course. for that matter um uh you know but i mean yeah he is he is certainly a, a huge cornerstone in the success 
of MMA uh, and 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 the and the combat combat sports in general. Yeah. I mean, what he's been able to do with crossing over to boxing and and obviously you know with his whiskey and I mean the guy the guys the guys a uh, you know billion dollar brand. He's he's uh, it's it's unbelievable what he's been able to do. Um, with yeah, you just but just wait wait until they see what we've got lined up next. Well, and that and that yeah, that leads me into what what what's coming next. I mean, there's a lot of great things in the pipeline that we're working on. We can't divulge or share just yet, but uh yeah, but there's lots lot, of character. Lots of character. Lots of character. And and I'm very very excited to see what the big shots uh brand uh holds for us in the future. You've you've done such an amazing job uh with you know uh the first wave and and i'm I'm sure you're going to continue to crush it uh with you know the waves to come and uh and other things that that you or i may may do together so yeah we're a pretty good team you think you think it's worked out so far i think i think we're a pretty good team i think someone calls the mega powers brother yeah yeah (laughs) wish i could just put my hand right through the Yeah, I, and we have to give we have to give some credit credit to Dan too. He's been doing a great job with, oh, Dan, with the whole thing as well. I, I would not. I mean, and that's that's the thing too, man. The power of a good team. You know, um, if there's anything I've learned in my career, it's just surround yourself with you know just genuine great people who really enjoy what they're doing. And God, your life will just be so much easier. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm not kidding. I I, I know it's it, it is funny, right? But but it's like, it's true. It's really really true. In my career, dude, like my my path was not an easy one. It's not. It's still not an easy one. Um, it's not. It's not. It's not linear by any right. means. I mean, you know, and I'm sure yours as well, right? We've all oh, had yeah. these. We've all had these days where we question what the hell we're doing. Right, mm-hmm. like oh, let me let me just go get a job and just call it a day, right? Like, <laughs> like I don't care what it is, like, I can't take this anymore. Um, but no, what makes my life so much easier is having amazing team members that are always willing to jump in and lend a hand, regardless of their workload or whatever it may be, and just you know, just having that that talent, right? Like, you know, I'm not sure if you met Andrea, but Andrea on my team is amazing. Dan, amazing. Morgan, you haven't met, amazing. Uh, like, you know, I, I have all these, I have all these tremendous, I'm leaving so many people out. So I love you all. Yeah. Uh, everybody. You're not, you're not accepting an Academy Award right no, now. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I wasn't prepared for this speech. Uh, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't prepare anything. Hang on a second. Um, but no, honestly, I, uh, the success that we have is really a byproduct of the sacrifices of not just myself, right? It's a, right. You, you get you right. Every, every all the sacrifices uh, that everybody has made on the team that to 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 push uh, just you know really great product and really great experiences and brands campaigns etc over the finish line. Cause I can't do it by myself. I've tried. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it's, not, yeah, it's, it's not worth it, man. We've all tried. We've all tried. Um, we've all tried to, you know, you know, you know, kind of, we've all had this inner struggle with this, the control freak within us, you know, yeah. and any, any entrepreneur is going to have uh, a control freak side of them, uh, you know, but the more you realize, uh, the, the, the more you mature in your career, you're going to realize 
I'll never survive like that. You can, you can't, you have to be able to delegate and be able to work with great people who are going to make your life easy. Like I said, in my career, I've worked with some really, um, not that they were terrible people, like, you know, you know, at their core, but they just didn't, they weren't, they weren't good at playing with others in the sandbox. Well, yeah, you've just, you've seen, you've seen both ends of the spectrum. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that kind of goes back to like me talking about when I interview people, we look at character versus artwork and it's just, you know, you learn valuable lessons over the years. Uh, You know, I, we're still in our prime and I'm excited about the lessons I have yet to learn, you know, down the line. Like I've, I've learned a lot about gratitude. I've learned a lot about being humble. Uh, I've definitely learned a lot about the company you keep, and yeah. um, and I'm I'm eternally grateful and thankful for for everything. So you're a big part of that. Dan's oh, a big man. part of that. Um, this has been a, a really fun ride so far, and the the best part about it is it's just started. We're just getting started, brother. Which is the crazy thing because I like I look I you know I look at my iPad all the time and I see the things that we've done and the things that are coming up. And I'm just like, I, what I, what I, I'll tell you what, and and I haven't told you this before, but every time I start off, the first thing I see is the template. I just see the outline and that outline is really just limitless possibilities. Right. And I look at the inside of that template and I just say to myself, man, think about all the things we can put in there. Yep. And, and all the possibilities and all the memories we can give people. And exactly. so it's really, that's, that's a very exciting thing totally. is just, you got this puzzle piece and, and, and you get to fill it in and, and that's been a lot of the fun. And so, yeah, it's been great, man. We're only limited to our creativity. That's, Absolutely. That, that's, that's, that's our only limit. How far could our creativity take us? Well, I think that's, I think that's a great bookend uh nolan harris thank you so much for joining us today i mean wow what a what a what an amazing conversation yeah man i'm I'm sure we'll have you back uh i'd love to have you back i was gonna Uh, ask you about part two yeah yeah yeah, well (laughs) dude there's as you mentioned there's so much cool things we're working on so we'll, we'll we'll absolutely have you back this has been so enlightening i i learned a lot about you today um, I, I hope the, 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 the people that are listening learned a lot, uh, not just about you, but maybe, you know, some, in, in some advice that they could kind of apply to their career or w- what have you. But hey, I, I just want to say uh, it, it's, it's just such a pleasure to know you uh, and, and not only know you, but work with you. Uh, you know, you've, you've been, you've been one of the shining lights, uh, through this pandemic for me. Uh, no, (laughs) seriously, because that's when we really, that's when we really got to connect. You're, you're a tremendous talent, tremendous person. Uh, and we're, we're only scratching the surface, man. Uh, I, I, I know it. I know we're going to do some, some great things together. So stay tuned folks, uh, you know, for, for what Nolan and I have in store together and, and on our own, uh, that which would lead me to lead me to uh you do know, i get to do some plugs yeah get, shout out some plugs? shout it out shout it out i don't, do I don't have to eat 10 hot wings to plug my stuff that's great <laughs> hold on a Whew. second get the hot what stuff. a relief <laughs> <laughs> uh let's see here so if you want to learn more about my caricature business go to our newly acquired url www.caricatures.com whoa you got that 
That's I'm not right. I'm going to ask how much you guys paid for that. I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so learn more about Over the Line Art at caricatures.com. And if you want to see more of what I do from a wrestling art standpoint or just any type of pop art in particular, uh, follow me on Instagram at Nolanium, N-O-L-A-N-I-U-M. I'm also on Twitter at the same handle. So lots of artwork there as well. You're not going to shout out your TikTok, your newly formed TikTok that you're having oh, so much fun with? I don't even know what URL that is, but it is it is Nolanium underscore art on TikTok. Okay. And it's go. blowing up, baby. I love it. I love it. I, lo- <laughs> I love that you're you're getting down with the millennials. Well, I, no, no, they're not millennials at this point anymore, they're right? Zennials. Zennials. There's zennials. I don't know what comes after zennials. I got to up my TikTok game. That's I'm slacking on the TikTok. It's not fun, but I'm doing it because... <laughs> Because that's that's part of the game, buddy. Yes, it is. It is. Well, I think that wraps it up for us. Thank you so much again for joining us today on the Double Down podcast. Uh, Nolan has just been absolutely tremendous. I hope you've enjoyed the conversation that we had today. Uh, once again, like, comment, subscribe, all those good things that they talk about. I don't know what they're talking about. I Maybe I have a little idea. I'm just kidding. Uh, but thanks again for joining us. We'll see you on the next one. Uh, until then... Have a great one, guys. Talk to you guys soon. Bye-bye.